Hello, lady apes, gentle apes, robot apes, alien apes, hologram apes, projection apes, and any ape in between any of those. Welcome to CrayonCast. This is a podcast by apes for apes, where several volunteering apes translate the due diligence crayon notes of other apes into audio format for those of us who don't know how to read. Your hosts are myself, Pickle Rick, Wipe with Wipes, Scalpel User, Breck the Poet, and Secretly Reformed. Before we get started, I must state that this content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other materials, legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Nothing contained in our content constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by the hosts or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments in this or in any other jurisdiction in which such solicitation or offer would be unlawful. Reading today's episode, Walking Like a Duck, Talking Like a Duck, by you slash Atabit, is Scalpel User. Scalpel User here. No, it's not a fetish. You can find me on Twitter at ScalpelU, like a university, or on Twitch at ScalpelUser, all one word. Cheers, guys, and thanks. Today we have Walking Like a Duck, Talking Like a Duck, by you slash Atabit, on the r slash Superstonk subreddit. This was originally posted on April the 6th, 2021. I highly suggest you go take a look at his post. Not only does he have links to previous DDs, Citadel Has No Clothes, Backrock Bag Holders Incorporated, and The Everything Short, but he's also done a video walkthrough of this very DD we're about to get into. That has a lot more than what we're covering now. This, what we're doing at this moment, is just a straight read-through. While if you want some really good DD and to listen to the man himself, go ahead and take a look at the original post. And with that, let's get started. Too long, didn't read. I've prepared a case which strongly indicates that Citadel Securities, along with its affiliates, are committing securities fraud. On March 26, 2021, FINRA released a new citation against Citadel Securities for nearly two years worth of securities violations. The only reason Citadel hasn't been busted for fraud is because they hide behind the veil of unintentional behavior. However, this post illustrates how Citadel's actions flagged all three corners of the fraud triangle, pressure, motivation, and opportunity. It's time for these people to be held accountable. My fellow apes, many of you are wondering how these posts about Citadel relate to GameStop. Perhaps I've lost sight on explaining this connection, so let me clear this up before diving into more crap on them. As you don't fight the evil pointed out, you just never know what a company's short position is because they aren't required to disclose it. And unfortunately, she's right. What we can do, however, is expose the crap surrounding them. The fraud triangle works because people act maliciously when they have the pressure, incentive, and opportunity to commit it. Period. This means if it walks and talks like a duck, it's most likely a freaking duck. I hope I've done a good job revealing the evidence of their ever-tightening noose. To name a few big ones, 1. The FINRA violations for naked shorting, failing to post a short sale indicator on transactions, withholding large customer orders to lower the market price, and flash crashes. 2. The growth of rehypothecated assets for both treasury and equity securities, especially in 2020. 3. The growth in liabilities as their promises to repay keeps getting bigger and bigger, especially in 2020. 
FINRA's concern regarding the lack of preventative measures within their system to detect these issues. Five, the number of times they've been documented for accidentally removing logic to detect these issues. Everything fits within all corners of the fraud triangle. Citadel commits violations just to make a few million, knowing their fines are essentially just a small tax. Now that their exposure to shorted stocks and bonds is increasing, the pressure to commit these actions is even higher. For far too long, people with money have been draining the wealth out of the global economy. Everything around us becomes more expensive, and the power to do anything about it decreases. We are forced to think about pinching pennies just to make ends meet, while there are people benefiting from all of this injustice, the ultra-wealthy. This aggregation of wealth has been going on behind the scenes for centuries, slowly and gradually like a frog sitting in a pot of boiling water, debt has been designed to be carried for life. Their confidence and greed reached a level so high that it should have been impossible for them to fail on their bet against GameStop. The only thing that could blow their victory was if we all started listening to one another, and most importantly, learning. And learn we did. We sat down at the World Series of Poker, called their bluff, and won. GameStop is the linchpin. GameStop opens the floodgates. GameStop is our checkmate. GameStop exposes them to limitless and immediate transfer of wealth back to the 99%. This situation is dangerous because those who put their vote into GameStop are finally able to take back control. GameStop is our hedge against the funds. Hopefully that's been cleared up and we can get back to the point of this post. Now, this crap just keeps coming. To me, this is further evidence of their desperate actions within a rigged market. After calling out Citadel for shorting U.S. Treasuries, I recently found out that they've been slapped with another FINRA violation on March the 25th, 2021 for U.S. Treasury securities. Yeah, seriously. BTW, this wasn't even something I was searching for. I literally walked Corey, the host, through my investigative process and uncovered it in our first live interview. And here, if you take a look at the post, he's posted a link to his YouTube and the interview in question. Anyway, these violations occurred between July 2017 and October 2019, while the Fed's tapering program was kicking off. It's extremely hard to be conclusive about the little details when you can only see a portion of the puzzle. So I usually start these DVs by finding wide holes that scream for attention. This violation is one of those holes. Citadel Securities have been slapped 58 times for regulatory violations, and those are just within the stock market. To me, the reason why this violation is so monumental is because it represents their first Treasuries violation. First page under their background here in the post. FINRA issued them a $275,000 fine along with a censure order, meaning they really disapprove of Citadel's actions. Here. I'm going to show you a few pieces of the disclosure event and gently massage it into your smooth brains. 1. Incorrectly reporting internal transfers as treasury transactions. 2. Failing to append the no remuneration indicator to trace reports for certain transactions between affiliates. 3. Failing to include the correct contraparty type in its trace reports for certain affiliates. To me, the biggest red flag in this comes from the very last sentence. In all cases, the incorrect trace reports involved internal position transfers 
or transactions with affiliates and did not involve transactions with clients. I'll touch back on the rest of the violation shortly. Now, let me take you to school. I'll walk you through these indicators and then discuss how they relate to Citadel's situation. What are related party transactions and why do they matter? The codification, Official Accounting Bible from FASB, explains related party disclosures under ASC 850. I'd love to have a subscription to this, but it's about $1,200 a year. So here's a link from Delight that gives a decent overview of ASC 850-10. A typical related party transaction occurs just like a normal transaction, but the parties involved have a connection somehow. They can be 1. A parent entity and its subsidiaries, 2. Subsidiaries of a common parent, 3. An entity and trust for the benefit of employees such as pension and profit-sharing trusts that are managed by or under the trusteeship of the entity's management, 4 an entity and its principal owners, management, or members of their immediate families. Five, affiliates. Transactions can be any of the following. One, sales, purchases, and transfers of real and personal property. Two, services received or furnished, such as accounting, management, engineering, and legal services. Three, use of property and equipment by lease or otherwise. Four, borrowings, lendings, and guarantees. 5. Maintenance of compensating bank balances for the benefit of a related party. 6. Intra-entity billings based on allocations of common costs. 7. Filings of consolidated tax returns. When you have related parties or affiliated parties, the biggest concern is that a relationship materially affects the way that business is conducted. For example, you should disclose situations where subsidiaries are conducting transactions with the parent entity or if the subsidiary is wholly owned, which means you're doing business with yourself, at least in practice. The failure to disclose this information may materially mislead investors. For example, Party A, affiliate, may be selling products or services to Party B, also an affiliate, at a rate that differs significantly from the open market. For example, Party A sells treasuries to Party B at an amount that's much lower, say $990, than fair market thousand dollars. This would allow Party B to sell the securities back into the market at the normal market rate, a thousand dollars, and record a bigger profit, ten dollars, because their cost is so much lower, nine hundred and ninety dollars. Party A then offsets the expense, ten dollars, back to yet another company and removes it from their books. Hedge funds and offshore funds are perfect for burying these transactions because they don't report financial statements like public companies. Likewise, Party A may need to remove something from their balance sheet, bad loans, etc., and simply use Party B as a dumpster. This is exactly what Enron did with their special purpose entities, SPEs. When Enron had to incur huge losses, they simply shifted those losses to shell companies and left the good stuff on their books. Q violation number one. From an official document, from August 2nd, 2017, Through December 8, 2018, Citadel Securities reported $452,451 Treasury transactions to trace that it was not required to report. These reports constituted over 14% of the total Treasury reports the firm made. The overreporting occurred when the firm transferred Treasury securities within its internal accounts 
because the firm unintentionally removed the logic to prevent these internal transfers from being automatically reported. Okay, when you send transactions to the trace system, they ask you to prove that they are legitimate. If they are legitimate and occur with an affiliate, FINRA needs to know that. This is to prevent frauds like Enron from happening again. For sake of argument, let's just ignore the part where they unintentionally removed logic and then intentionally reinserted it. Because that would make this DD too darn easy. Breaking this down. Citadel over-reported securities transactions, which represents only 14% of total reported transactions to Trace. This means that Citadel reported 3,231,792 treasury transactions, and one transaction doesn't necessarily mean one treasury. Could be thousands. They were not required to report 14% of those because they should have been flagged as internal transfers and not treasury transactions. Now we begin to uncover the corners of the fraud triangle. Pressure, incentive, and opportunity. Citadel was obviously compliant for 86% of their treasury reports. So why would they feel the need to unintentionally over-report 14%? Hey Citadel, why are you walking like a duck? How did FINRA find out that these were actually internal transfers? Probably the same way I did, by looking for clues. Check out Citadel Security's Related Party Disclosures from 2020. Same as in 2019, I checked. From an official document, Citadel Securities LLC, the company, CSHCUS LLC, also shortened to CSHC, an affiliate is the sole member of the company. CSHC, who are you really? Ladies and gentlemen, presenting Citadel Securities Institutional LLC. Think it's the same company? No. Citadel Securities Institutional is a completely different company in the books. These guys are affiliated to one another, but exist separately as special purpose entities, or SPEs. Let's walk through this again. And as an aside from your lovely voiceover, crap's about to get real with all these letters, so buckle up, buttercup. Citadel Securities list CSHCUS LLC as an affiliate and the sole member of the company. Citadel Securities Institutional lists CSHCUS LLC as an affiliate and also as the sole member of the company. CSHCUS LLC CSUH? Who the heck is this? Had to go back to a financial disclosure in 2016 to dig up this little jewel. From the form, Citadel Securities Institutional LLC, at the time of funding, CLP Holdings 3 LLC, CLP 3, was the sole member of the company. On January 1st, 2016, CLP3 merged with and into CSHCUS LLC, CSUH, as an affiliate. As of January 1st, 2016, CSUH is the sole member of the company. CLP Holdings 3 LLC, 
CLP3, WTF. On January 1st, 2016, CLP3 merged into CSUH. So who is CLP Holdings 3 LLC? From the form, Citadel Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of CLP Holdings 3 LLC, a limited liability company organized under the laws of the state of Delaware, Citadel Parent, and collectively with Citadel Securities and CSPI Citadel. CSPI, like Citadel Securities, is also a wholly owned subsidiary of Citadel Parent. 1. Citadel Parent owns 100% of CLP Holdings 3 LLC, which became CSUH in 2016. 2. CSHCUS LLC, CSUH, is the only member of CS. H-C-U-S-L-L-C, C-S-H-C. C-S-H-C-U-S-L-L-C, C-S-H-C, is also managed by Citadel Parent. So, basically, Citadel is Citadel is Citadel is Citadel. No wonder why Finra was ticked. It looks like Citadel took treasuries from Citadel Securities and transferred them to Citadel Securities Institutional, but reported them as sales transactions to trace. Q violation number two. From the form, FINRA Rule 6730-D4F provides that when a trade report does not reflect either a commission, markup, or markdown, the member should include the no remuneration indicator. From July 10, 2017 through October 9, 2019, in 45,638 instances, Citadel Securities failed to append the no remuneration indicator to trace reports for treasury transactions with an affiliate that were at cost. Again, let's ignore the part where they pretended to discover the issue in June 2019 prior to being contacted. Let's also ignore the lack of necessary logic to determine which transactions are which. They do this in almost every freaking violation they get. Now, what is remuneration? Basically, it's a type of compensation. In the case of Citadel Securities, it's the price adjustment that is passed to Citadel Securities Institutional when a treasury is sold or lent. A normal market transaction might sell a treasury security for $1,000. In this case, $1,000 is entirely represented by the bond's value. An affiliated market transaction might sell a treasury security for $990, with $10 in remuneration for a total of $1,000. In this case, the bond is only worth $990, but the $10 in remuneration makes it appear like a $1,000 bond. FINRA asks for companies to disclose this because it can be heavily abused, obviously. This is what happened to Citadel Securities. There were 45,638 instances between July 2017 and October 2019 where Citadel Securities did not appropriately indicate this. If you fail to indicate this and also report internal transfers and normal transactions, it really starts to look like you're covering your tracks. Citadel, why are you talking like a duck? Q violation number three. From the form. From July 10th, 2017 through November 15th, 2018, in 11,989 instances, Citadel Securities reported that the contraparty in a transaction was a customer when the transaction was with an affiliate. 
call this the smoking gun. Really, it doesn't get much more obvious than this. Citadel Securities gets busted pushing transactions into the trace system when they were really just internal transfers between the SPEs. They're then cited for failing to indicate a no-remuneration transaction with affiliated parties. And finally, they misclassified the nature of the contraparty in 11,989 transactions, saying they were customers instead of their own, you guessed it, SPEs. Want more? Check out this disclosure from Citadel Securities. The company, during 2020, CSIN provided execution services to the company under a cost-plus agreement. As a result of this activity, the company incurred service fee expense and recorded commission revenue from CSIN for acting as a counterparty for trades with third parties. As of December 31, 2020, the company had a payable to CSIN of $7 million, which is included in payable to affiliates on the Statement of Financial Condition. Citadel Securities Institutional, CSIN, provided execution services to Citadel Securities under a cost-plus agreement. Huh. Cost plus. Sounds a lot like remuneration agreement. Because it is. Let's bring this all together, shall we? 1. Citadel Securities sells treasuries to affiliate parties such as Citadel Securities Institutional. 2. Citadel Securities marks most of their transactions with a no remuneration indicator after selling the security to the affiliate party. 3. To FINRA, this complies with the trace because it looks like a typical transaction without a markup or markdown on the price of the treasury. 4. At the end of the month, Citadel Securities reimburses Citadel Securities Institutional for the cost of their treasury purchases, plus a little more in profit for their services. 5. Citadel Securities records the commission revenue from Citadel Securities Institutional once the treasuries are finally sold to the outside party. Did you catch the loophole? Citadel Securities is able to remain compliant with FINRA because they pay for the services, the markup markdown, provided by Citadel Securities Institutional after the transactions are cleared through the system. They just disguise them as service fees. Instead of paying during the transaction by remuneration, they simply leave it off the books and hide it on their financial statements. If you're wondering where the SEC is in all of this mess, listen up. The SEC and FINRA are both regulatory agencies for financial institutions. I am now 100% convinced that the SEC has given the responsibility of investigating fraud to FINRA while the SEC works on creating the legislation to stop these acts. However, it appears the SEC and FINRA are working as totally separate agencies while the SEC is supposed to be overseeing FINRA. I'm convinced the money flows directly to the SEC from FINRA fines, and the SEC is at risk of losing that revenue if they actually start cracking down on these pigs. I am presenting a genuine case here. If you're wondering where the auditor, PwC, is in all of this, they just have to verify the statements are fairly presented. They don't have to say anything else. All audit firms are now in the business of consulting, like Arthur Anderson did with Enron. They all sit in a room and discuss the best way to present this crap without looking like a giant fraud. You want to see how bad this situation has become? Check out this 10K, page 4, from one of Citadel's recent 13G-A filings on February 16, 2021. Keep in mind, this is an acquisition company that specializes in purchasing companies that are headed for bankruptcy. 
According to the SNP, their leveraged loan, weakest link count, which reflects companies with a B- or lower credit rating and a negative outlook, has more than doubled since 2019, rising from 145 companies, or 11% of the S&P coverage universe, to 329 companies as of June 2020, or 25%. U.S. default rates have risen sharply this year and are projected to continue to rise over the next 12 months. According to the S&P, the trailing 12-month default rate has doubled since the beginning of the year to 3.9% and is projected to reach over 10% within the next 12 months. Defaults have ranged across a large number of industries, including business services, consumer and industrials, according to SNP. The U.S. leveraged loan market today is approximately $1.2 trillion, which is approximately double the size of the market during 2008-2009 to credit cycle. This means that similar default rates in today's market would imply a significantly larger volume of restructured liabilities. Collateralized loan obligations, or CLOs, represent a much larger ownership of today's leveraged loan market compared to the leveraged loan market of 2008-2009. There has been almost 2.5 times the CLO assurance from 2013 to 2019, 743 billion, compared to 2001 to 2007, 302 billion. The increased CLO market share of the leveraged loan market may lead to a larger number of post-restructured companies with equity ownership being held by CLOs, which could lead to attractive investment opportunities at relatively more favorable terms. This is so much more than speculation. Citadel is a duck. Diamond freaking hands. Well, Crayon Nation, that's been today's episode. We encourage you to go and read the comments on the original thread on Reddit written by you slash Atobit. That's A-T-O-B-I-T-T. You can find a link to the original thread in the description of this episode. As always, be good to yourself, be good to others, and be good to the world around you. Your hosts have been me, Pickle Rick, Wipe with Wipes, Scalpel User, Greg the Poet, who also did our theme music, Secretly Reformed. We'll see you next time.